0: White Rascal Avery. Yeah, Avery
1: Did you hear that, Graham? What was that? Huh? What are you talking about, Wait, you rascal? <laughs> you little white rascal. You, you, little, white. <laughs> you, little. you
0: little white rascal. <laughs> right at this ringing. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Out of the Saddle presented by Healthy Scoop Podcast. I'm Coach Hendy. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Chuck Coyle. How you doing, mate? <laughs> you good, mate. Hey, Chuck, I got one question for you before we, before we kick this off. If I said to you tonight we had the world's famous cycling photographer, what name would spring to mind?
1: Well, if you asked me for two, I would not be able to give you an answer because I would only know Graham Watson
0: mate have I got a surprise for you tonight we are going to ring we're going to get on the old blower mate and we're going to give Graham Watson a call and we've got a, uh, a plethora of questions to ask the young man
1: oh I'm excited to flap some gums with them let's flap some gums
0: How's that yeah good mate i can hear you now good can you hear us well i can hear you very well oh awesome we're under control good have you got a glass How of wine doing? with you or anything like that are you settled down and relaxed uh, uh,
2: no it's 1 35 in the afternoon <laughs> Yeah, but way too
0: early no let's be honest it's, uh, it's 7 30 in the in the evening, evening here mate it's always time yeah. for a drink over there,
2: yeah. I know. I've been to Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great. So I'm sitting here yeah. with my mate Chuck Coyle. He's a big fan of yours, obviously. He's a big fan of cycling. I used to actually race pro with him back in the old days. And do you remember 7up days when I used to race over here in, in America? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Chuck, now, he's he pretty much runs a, a company called Healthy Scoop, which is a, a vegan-based, um, yeah, health, plant-based, you know, um, nutritional company. So he's, okay. uh, but he was a pro rider back in the day. Yeah,
1: hey, it was really nice to meet you, Graham. Thanks for taking the time. That's well, a pleasure. You're
2: you're in the right town for having vegan products and yeah, everything yeah. else. Isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's a great place for sort of plant based, uh, <laughs> plant based
0: s- smoking things, utensils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is Boulder. It is Boulder.
2: Yeah. I've spent many many winters there since uh, late late nineteen eighties until probably. Ten years, I went out there every year, every winter for six weeks. Oh, so uh, I love I love the place.
0: Oh, that yeah. So um, did you come here with a team, or you just come out here on your own?
2: Come out. I stayed, I stayed with friends on uh, Folsom North Twenty Sixth Street.
1: Ah, the old Folsom Freeway, as we call it here. It's the only way to get across town.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's your way out of town going north towards Lyons. Yeah, all right. That's
0: thirty
1: six. I love yeah that's it yeah i-36 yeah yeah it's a beautiful beautiful town it hasn't changed much yeah probably well you might not recognize all the development but
0: oh it's gone Uh, it's uh, gone crazy uh, here now mate like i literally we've bought a house which you know 15 years ago was in this small little town but now it's it's what they call this urban sprawl and it's literally boulder nearly connects to about 15 different little towns am i right chuck
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, like, it's, Boulder basically yeah. touches Denver now.
2: Yeah, I remember mean, the last time I was there was 2010. And already all the way from Denver to Boulder, there was no space. Yeah, Everything yeah. was joined by like, Westminster and yeah, places exactly, like that.
0: Exactly. And, that. and
2: all the shopping and uh But the other way is better when you go like, towards Lyons, it's still okay, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and that's the way we are now
0: yeah that's the direction good. we're headed. We headed north as well for that reason it's uh yeah it's quieter but yeah it's still building out there's no question and, and yeah. you, you wouldn't even recognize lines now it's uh you know there's there's just an, three new developments of housing that's gone in there so it's um
1: yeah yeah oh.
2: but the beautiful is still here Good glad to hear it um I love I love the place I never get back there now but I love it so I'm jealous.
0: So tell me, mate, a few questions for you. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna chat, uh, just chat like we are now, basically. And then what we do is we edit, you know, usually my swearing and uh, and things like that, because often I may, you know, you know me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've just started this podcast, and it's just um, yeah, just ringing up my mates basically. The first one I did was Tony Galapan. First one I did actually was just on my retirement, and then I did I did Tony, and then I did Kun. and then I thought, you know what? Like one of the icons of the sport is was actually like one of my idols, Graham Watson. It was like, let's. I wonder if he'd actually accept my phone call. So it was really. I'm I'm actually quite honoured that you uh, were happy to have a chat with me.
2: Oh, well, you can see me. I'm blushing. I'm bright red in the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's because you've had one or too many rosés.
2: Not yet. No. 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 no coffee yes not wine so anyway uh, graham how many years yes. have you,
0: how many years retired now
2: uh i'm eight months retired
0: eight months retired and as opposed yeah. to 38 years behind the lens uh
2: i've, I've done about 45 years as a, as a professional photographer and i did like six or seven years as a portrait photographer in london in the, mid, in the mid-1970s, and then, and then I switched to cycling full time, so it's, it's all I, I call it 40 years, it's like about, um, it's eight months short of, short of 40 years, oh, incredible! Uh, as, as, a, as a cycling photographer, so in terms of people it was like, uh, I saw the last stage of the last Tour de France by Eddie Merckx in 1977, that was my, my very first sight of the bike race. Yes, the, um, the last day
0: then, of Eddie Merckx in 1977.
2: The last day of Eddie Merckx's last Tour de France in 1977. Wow, there's not. When me, were you born? When were you born?
0: 76, mate. so yes, I was. I was alive. I, oh. I don't quite remember the tour, but uh, yeah, I was. I was uh, alive and kicking. Don't you worry about that.
2: Well, that's that's where we come from, that down there. So, uh, um, right up until Richie Port winning the Tour Down Under, and then that was it
0: incredible so yeah like yeah. okay i wasn't uh, obviously there when eddie Merckx was racing but i was there with uh, richie port and your final race so that's that's kind of nice so what have you been up to how have you been keeping busy mate
2: uh with well, lots of things going on. i live in nelson you, you may not have been here but um <laughs> we, live above, we live above the sea sea and mountains um we're doing a house renovation next month so we're packing up the house to Get out, there's all the planning, all the all the council permission, all the building consent you have to go through to, to do that. And apart from that, just just chilling out, a little bit of work. As a, as a photographer, you build up all those images of cyclists over the years and there's always people wanting a picture. So there's work every day, but not, not traveling, it's just literally just uh, administration, and, you know, sending out pictures, sending out a bill to people and, uh, you know, get out on the bike a little bit. Getting fitter, eating less, drinking less, going to bed at a normal time, and um, just generally being a lot healthier. And um, I love it. It's great fun. It
0: sounds a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to it myself.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. <coughs> it's, pretty, lo- it's, surprising, it. it's surprising that you're saying you're jealous of Boulder when you're living in uh, the bottom of the... Nelson's at the bottom of the South Island, correct? In New Zealand? Uh, top, of the, top of the South. Top, top of the South. Oh, top of the South. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that is... <laughs> that's Invercargill. You're thinking Invercargill, mate?
2: No, it's a bit colder than that.
1: Yeah, why New? Why New Zealand?
2: Uh, my wife's a Kiwi.
1: Oh, beautiful.
2: We met uh, actually. We met in London. I'm going to get this right. About 16 years ago, and um, she's a Kiwi. So, naturally, as soon as I met her, I wanted to see New Zealand. And we saw New Zealand every winter. Then we bought a house here in Nelson. And then eventually I thought, well, that's the place to end up, and twenty two thousand kilometers away from the bike race seemed like a good place to stop.
0: Absolutely. So actually, one of my first questions I wanted to ask you is, do you miss it? Like do you actually miss being on the back of a motorbike for hours watching uh, the, the suffering, no, watching no. the you know do, do you miss it basically?
2: no, no i've I've watched all the all the bike races on TV since since I stopped in February. So I see an awful lot on TV, and I don't miss any of it. I miss something, but it's not the bike race. I don't miss the work. Right. I don't miss being on a motorbike, but I miss something. I think it's just the lifestyle and the freedom to have you know, to, have, to have the freedom to travel. You need to have the money. So I had the money to have the freedom to travel and see the world. and um, I think I miss that a little bit, but I don't miss the sports, because I can see it on TV every day. Um, I see far more on TV. Um, working... You know, as you know, or you won't know, you will know one day after about 45 years of work in the same field of photography, you know, enough is enough.
0: Right, okay. But and what about, um, and, uh, you know, maybe some special, I don't know, relationships you built with either your photographer, uh, sorry, your, your motorbike driver or, or you know, yeah. do you, c- certain certain people you miss or, you know, what, you get over it?
2: Um, I, I'm sort of have the attitude that if your friends are going to be your friends, be your friends anyway, whether they're, whether they're motorbike drivers or uh, colleagues or photographers or cyclists like yourself or race organisers or whatever. I mean, If they're meant to be your friend, they'll always be your friend. So, so far, I haven't, I haven't noticed any, there's nothing missing out there. It's all, um it's exactly how I wanted, wanted it to be.
0: Perfect. That sounds, that sounds incredible. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, love, I, think the, I think the lifestyle is anything I can, I, I don't miss it, but I, it's the one thing I noticed the most is that, um. You wouldn't know this, but like you know, photographers come off a bike race, and then they work for three hours in the media centre, and then you go out and have dinner and drink until midnight and start again next day. So it's, it's a it's a very luxurious lifestyle. In in a sense, you can kick back and relax and just try having two bottles of wine instead of one bottle of wine, and you know, it's, just, it's a nice lifestyle. If it works for you, it works really well.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. It's um.
2: And also, you know, Greg, where I am is not such a bad place. I mean, I've, I've, I've chosen... You've chosen well. Chosen, cho- I've chosen well or it chose me very well. But, um, you know, I, I can't miss anything when you, when you live down here. It's so nice.
0: So you love cycling, obviously. There's no question. But do you love it, like, from not behind the lens? Do you do you actually get out and ride? Do you enjoy riding your bike basically. Cause I know a lot of people, a lot of coaches, a lot of, even a lot of athletes, once they finish, so cyclists, I should say, when they finish their sport, they're just like, I cannot even look at my bike. I'm no interested in riding my bike. I mean, even, I know a few of the, the hierarchy in the UCI that, that maybe ride their bike once a month, like, and yet they want to be, you know, running our sport. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. Do you enjoy riding the bike? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. So you love the sport?
2: I I love I love the sport at the beginning. The, the, the fact is I was a failed a failed racing cyclist. I mean I tried to race when I was much, much younger. And I was completely there's, no, was such word as, to there's you, no
0: such word as failed, Graham. Come on. Now now that you've got Coach Hend <laughs> H- would you like me to send you across a program. Coach Hindy could help oh, you out.
2: I'm fine, thanks. Thanks. I don't <laughs> need to <laughs> No, I, I, I love cycling. You wouldn't do you wouldn't do ten years in the sport like I did if you didn't love cycling. It's um, um, you know there's not there's no other sport like it as you know, and especially as a photographer. You're, you're in the peloton with the cyclist, You you have a chat with a guy called Greg Henderson one day and Contador the next day. I mean you're you're part of the scene without without suffering. You're not sweating. You're not. Um, it's a little bit dangerous, but you're you're very much a part of the sport. On, on when you're on the back of a motorbike in a race. Um, so, you know, that, in that sense, I love cycling. And, you know, one of the reasons, not the reason I've stopped, but one of the things I intend to do is to uh, ride the bike a little bit more and get a little bit fitter and lose some weight and get back to probably where I was in the early 1970s, which was um, riding around France on a bicycle watching the Tour de France.
0: Oh, beautiful. Um, I
2: have a, yeah, have a sort of a dream to go back to, the Europe, to Europe one year and, um, you know, ride some of the Alps and Pyrenees. That I have not ever ridden for... I don't know, forty years or so. Oh. So yeah, so I love cycling.
1: That's beautiful. So, so but, Graham, but I'm, not, fr- I'm from. A, not, oh,
2: sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's been. I'm not saying no as, not as a fan, as such, but just more like um, it's not you appreciate. It's not you, you, you It's not you respect. It's I respect. I appreciate the adventure and what everything everything's given me. But I mean, I'm not really a fan of cycling in, in the sense that I wouldn't go and watch a bike race, probably. But I. You know, it means an awful lot to me to see the guys on TV now and to see cycles coming up, to see people like Greg retiring, to see it all revolve and everything else. You know, you can still follow it and enjoy it without being a kind of a real fan.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. So, yeah, so Graham, so I'm from upstate New York, a uh, town called Rochester, which is the hometown of Kodak, as I'm sure you're okay. uh, you're familiar with. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with Kodak. Uh, now, yeah. And now Kodak in my hometown is just a bunch of empty buildings. So what are your thoughts yes. on like nowadays, everyone fancies themselves a photographer? You have your smartphone, you got great quality digital images. One, is that sort of weird for you at all? Or do you, you know, are you okay with it? And two, do you miss um, uh, film versus digital? Well,
2: it's a, it's a huge chunk of answers to give you. Yeah, but, yeah um, exactly. They basically, I mean, they, they, the internet and digital photography has evolved um, I guess I'm thinking probably, it's probably 15 years, it might even be 20. So professionals have had to get used to the fact that almost everybody can take a decent picture with a with a, an iPhone or a you know Galaxy phone. They you know it's part of the light, it's part of life as a photographer now. You have to you have to respect it. You have to respect that anybody can take a picture. Like I once took a picture, and you know you just get on with it. You just make sure your pictures are better, or you try a little bit harder, or you work a little bit longer to combat the 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 incursion of of, i mean photography's got more popular because of it so it's actually a very good thing um perhaps as a professional you get a little bit angry when you see someone with an iphone you know pushing you in your ribs to try and get a better shot or something but it is what it is you know it's it's gone that way and you have to live with it so i don't have any negative views on it um, you've
0: just got to adapt to the situation and yeah like you said you've got the eye you're the professional make make your photos better
2: yeah, it's like somebody who perhaps never switched um, to using electronic gear changes and stuff like that, I and mean, you're in a sprint, and suddenly someone's gone ahead of you by a few centimeters because they had a electronic shifts. You know, you you, you go with the times, you go with the best of everything, and, and just try and make sure you're you're still ahead.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Um, to go to go back to Chuck's story about Kodak, I've always wondered where Kodak went wrong and where a company called um, Fuji in Japan went right you know kodak put all its money into film and um they didn't adapt at all well to the digital world um they, they produced the first ever um uh, what's the word sensor that captures an image but they never they never they never got in front of themselves they they lost out big time to fuji
1: i know i think that, yeah i think that a lot yeah. when we talk about with my family when i'm home we talk a lot about there's no reason we shouldn't all be on kodak phones right now and it's, for me, it's sort of sad, you know, because I think a lot of industries failed in that part of the country. And uh, I think maybe just someone steering the ship just thought digital was not going to take off and the quality and the feel of film is better.
2: Yeah. Yes, I, I, I'm thinking that there were such a, a wealthy family, so set back in their old ways that they didn't move quick enough. And... Um, you know, I mean, I still keep a few rolls of Kodak film around, just just for fun, just to look at them now and again.
1: <laughs> it's becoming it's becoming now, a very valuable commodity.
2: Like like someone looking at an old steel bicycle in the garage, you know, it's something you loved years ago and it meant not to you, but now it's obsolete. You know, it's It's um, it's, it's great to have experienced the uh, the best of those worlds, the film world, and the digital world, and you know, lived to survive the tale.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've done a uh, yeah. I... Like you said, you're at the top of uh, you know of both sort of eras. So it's um, you move with the times. You knew you had to move with the times.
2: Yeah, that's part of it's part of the business, like like most other businesses. You you move with the times.
0: Yeah. So uh, just a couple of other questions for you, mate. If um, okay. if you had to think back, I know it's super hard. Like you said, forty years of of uh, top of the game. Most memorable sort of victory, your or a sprint victory or a, a, an overall victory where you see someone come across the line at the end of something epic, you know, what's, what's one that you've taken that stands out to you?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a really tough question. I, I, know was, um, I know
0: it is because they could probably name 10.
2: Oh, uh, no, I couldn't even do that. I was, I was going through one of your your direct tweets the other day and just getting a few answers ready. Um, so I had to work out the best sprinter, and the best climb of the best, <laughs> but most memorable thing I, I can't remember. There, there's just too many of them. You know, I could say Cavendish winning the world world championships in uh, 2011. That would have been a uh, one one of the real highlights. Yeah. There's so many, Greg. You, yeah, as you I, know, one one highlight cancels out the previous one.
0: Because I've got um, a, I've got a very special moment that uh, you may not even remember. But so when I first turned pro, you know, I, I knew Graham Watson and I had a couple of your books and obviously a, a thousand of your photos. And I remember my first pro tour race. I was more excited about seeing you on the back of a motorbike than I was. I didn't give a shit about the, uh, the bike riders. I just, I just wanted to see Graham Watson and then, um, yeah the was awesome. yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then my first, I remember my first Parry Nice victory. It was like, I think 2010, and the yeah. first person that I just got off my bike, my bike and just gave this massive hug to was you, you know, it was like, it was just, I was just so happy and like, so happy that you were yeah. there. You had your camera and it was just me and there was just sweat and them and cameras and everything everywhere. But it was like, you were the first person, like my Swanee was there, my director was there and I'm hugging Graham Watson. I thought, I thought that was really special because the thing, the thing with you, I think I've told you this before. It's it's in a strange way. It's like, um, when you were at a race, I kind of felt safe. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. Like if I knew I had, you know, five or six coals coming up and, and you know, you get kind of nervous as as, from a sprinter's point of view about these stages coming up. You're like, I just kind of like, you'd give me a smile at, or a thumbs up as, as you rode past to the next group, you know, just that, I don't know. It's really, really strange feeling, but just sort of, just sort of made me feel safe when, when you're at the same bike race that I was at, it was, it was a really nice feeling. So it was like this, this sort of, this sort of, um, I don't know, this internal relationship that I like built up with you that I, that I really appreciate. And I really like respected so much. I I really enjoyed it.
2: Thanks. I I, I always enjoyed watching. I I enjoy watching races. I enjoy watching people race and the few people I really get to know, which, don't actually add up to more than probably 10 or 15 in my whole career. You actually do take a special bit of attention and look out for those guys, you know, there's, there's not many of them really. Because um, most of you guys, they're so, you're so focused on your own life, your own, your own day-to-day affair that um, very few have the chance to actually say hello, even if you wanted to. Obviously, you were one of those guys that always said hello, always had a smile. The wetter it was, the colder it was, the more you smiled. And Things like that so there's but there's only about um I'm not saying fifteen there might be twenty, but you know in all the years I've done it, there's only like a handful of people who, who've actually um recall you know kind of having a, re- a conversation with you and stuff like that and so so I appreciate what you said
0: no thank you no no I'm the same it's it's well, yeah, it was just like that it was I just remember like yeah, as a kid you know, and then actually making it to the to the same level that you were and then realizing how approachable and how much of a nice guy you were. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. Refri- it was refreshing to turn up to a bike race, knowing there was someone like that, you know?
2: Yeah. It's funny. Cause you, you're in Boulder and um, years and years ago, without playing the old violin, But I mean, like Andy Hampston, the year when he won the Giro, I mean, he, I turned up sort of like a third of the way through it, uh, at the first mountain stages. And I was going past him on the motorbike one day, or he was going past me with one of his colleagues I think, it was, I think it was Jeff Pearce and and Andy says, "Jesus Graham, the race must be starting any any day now." I it was it was a compliment, you know. It was um, they sort of see me and suddenly realised that the, the most important stages are just about to start. So it's uh, there's many things like that which you which I do remember, and that the these guys who have to be so focused on their job every day just to stay on their bikes.
0: Can you hear both of
2: us? I can hear you, Greg. Can you, Chuck? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, oh, just
1: then. Oh, you can? You got me?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: super embarrassing. Sorry about that. All
0: right. We just ran out of disk space.
2: <laughs> We've, yeah, we talking I, we, too
1: just, much. we just broke the internet.
0: We broke the internet. There's too many hits.
2: You see, we, you take all this for granted, don't you? This Skype stuff. and, and I mean, even, even five years ago, we couldn't have this conversation.
0: Yeah, it's true. And then yeah. to record it and then to put yeah. it up on that really so that people can listen to it. You know, it's like. Yeah,
2: it's, it's <coughs> unbelievable. No, this is just like like you were saying earlier, Chuck, about the photography. I mean, you take it all for granted that I can I can take a picture in the middle of the Tour de France and transmit it while I'm on the motorbike in the middle of nowhere, and someone else gets it. It's, you take it all for granted. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and and the it goes in wrong. real
1: time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable. Actually, here I I so I'm sure you get a lot of questions about your favorite your favorite photo, you know, your favorite race. Do you have any, I'm curious, do you have any photos where have become, you know, really iconic and famous that of yours that you just don't really like? Cause I have one that I'm ha- hanging on my wall that I love of yours. It's from the, uh, I'm sure you know it. It's from the, what year is it? 87 Giro. Um, the, the Pordoy, the Passo de Pordoy. That's and it's Bordeaux, a beautiful, yeah. and- iconic photo. Yeah, I've got a huge picture framed. But I was wondering, is there any photos that you think, wow, I can't believe people like that because I never like that photo?
2: Oh, yeah, they're sure. It's, it's, um, it's like, I think it's like paintings and it's, it's like bit, um, interpretation. People, people see something that they love and someone else probably hates it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always surprised at what people have ordered when they've ordered uh, posters or prints. And I look at that and think, well, I can't see why they've chosen that picture. But nevertheless, <laughs> they're welcome to have it. <laughs> and other times, I it's, it's more the other way around. I see a picture which I've taken, which I love, and I can't get it published anywhere. You know, and if I can't get the picture published, nobody can get it published. And, and this beautiful picture of something. It could be a mountainside. It could be a sprint finish. It could have something in it, and nobody wants to publish it. And and I can't. I, and they just don't like it. So that happens more than the other way around, where people buy a picture that I don't like. It's usually yeah, the, the, the editors who work with—they they're the ones that you know, dictate whether I whether they publish the picture or not. So you, that's the answer.
0: You must <laughs> have had some uh, some epic days on the bike. I mean, I know you know from my twenty years, there's been some epic days on the on the bike. But I mean, tell me tell of the coldest and the longest day you've had to do because I know you do some long days on the saddle. There with us, what's what springs to mind for you? I mean, for me, there's only one, you know, in my 20 years, but what what's yours? There must be something where you were just miserable for 10 hours of your life.
2: Um, I, I don't recall a day when I was miserable. Um, oh, you lucky every, bastard. I uh, know. You, you were the guys that were miserable. But, I mean, I, when as a photographer, whenever there's a bad day for a cyclist, it's a great day for a photographer. Uh, if you imagine the worst conditions for you guys, it's the best conditions for the photographers, it's, it's the opposite. And the cold days I remember, there's, there's some horrible cold days in Paris-Nice. And you do sometimes think, this is bloody cold, what, yeah, six more hours of this. And then suddenly the last hour and a half, suddenly they start racing and your blood warms up and you suddenly you're no longer cold, you, you can feel your fingers again. And you have some of fantastic racing at the end of a really long, cold day. Um, the coldest day I remember, it should be probably in the mountains in the tour of Italy, but the one I remember the most is a recent Milan San when it not the one when it snowed on them, but actually the following year when it was raining on them all the the
0: Yes, the
2: following year went over the Torquino down to the sea, and then the wind changed, and it was a headwind all the way to the finish with, with rain all the way, but it was bitter and that was cold, that was miserable.
0: Yeah,
2: but with a great finish, of course. <laughs> oh, I think man. that's the one that. I'm not sure whether Chulik won that or somebody like that, but
0: um, won the one with the snow. I think Christoph won the one in the rain, cold.
2: That's the one, yeah. And, and with the rain, unfortunately, there's a chance of crashes and everything else. So, as a photographer, there's that. Um, what's the word? Not attraction, but you're, you're looking out for the for the surprising thing to happen. Um, my hottest day, I couldn't tell you what it is. It's almost certainly uh, the first few days of the Tour of Spain. About eight years ago when it began in Seville. And they did like a nighttime, team time trial. Oh, yes. And, and it was still well over 40 degrees centigrade. And they had three or four days on the trot of 45, 47, 43, 44 degrees for about four days or five days on the trot down in the south of Spain. And, I mean, people were literally dying. It was so hot. And
0: that's when I think they started to implement that uh, extreme weather protocol. I think it just happened not long after that. Yeah because yeah Yeah, i think
2: yeah i think you won one of the stages into malaga but that was a really hot period of of the um of my life um and then i thought about some of the longest days greg and you appear you actually do come up in one of my longest days um it's quite a (laughs) nice one tour probably in 2011 or 2012 and they let a break go away about six of you into a headwind and it was on one of these boring brand new um, motorways. There was uh, six of us.
0: Six of us, and two got dropped. So it was then down to four.
2: But I, what I remember is that it was a long, long day, a long, long way away from the hotel, and the pedals left you out there the whole day long. If it was a 180k stage, they left you out there for 165 kilometres of it, and they never caught you. They they left you out there by about a minute and a half, and all I remember were the shadows getting longer and longer and longer as the day went on. And it was one of those days where they. Yeah, I think Sagam on the stage or something. So it was quite an exciting finale. But it was a long, long stage because, because they had wind. It was the fact they refused to catch you. They, sometimes they almost caught you. Then they sat up and had a pee or something. And then you pulled out another minute. I remember, and all I remember, I remember the that
0: stage so well, mate. Because I remember Bernie Eisel was in the break with me. And I said, mate, let's just stop and take a pee and go back to the peloton. Because this is ridiculous. I don't want to be out here any longer. And literally, like you said, we would slow down and the Peloton would slow down. It's like, oh, they just, they are just killing us out here. And it was actually, it finished up Green Mountain. So it was like, there was no, there's no way we were going anywhere, but it was just this yeah. block headwind. it felt like it was gradual hill up, you know, uphill one or 2% all day into this filthy hot wind. Yeah. And then, like you said, yeah. the shadows just got longer and longer because we were just going so slow.
2: Well, now, now you say Bernie Ice was in, that's probably the reason why they're probably, you know, getting back at it, all these jokes is played on everybody. <laughs> Leave me out. Yeah. He, was just, he was a victim of someone else's, uh, you know, internal warfare or something. Yeah. That, that was a day I remember, a really, really, really long day. And you, probably like the same you, you think, what time are we going to have dinner? What time are we going to get to bed? And things like that. Oh, so totally.
0: I was like, just hurry up and catch <laughs> us. All I keep
1: saying was, hurry up and catch us. <laughs>
2: No, they kept stopping. They literally just stop because they were getting too close. Uh, yeah. It's, it's anyway, funny,
1: it's funny, Graham. I'm, I'm I'm leafing through your 20 years of cycling photography book that you put out, and I realized as sort of the years go on, and now helmets are you know absolutely commonplace training and racing. I feel like you yep. a lot of the personality is missing from some photos because you don't have. I feel like you can't see people's guys' faces as much. Do you feel do you feel that at all, or no, or is it just hey, it's it's the times and you got to roll with it?
2: Yeah, so I going back to our one of our earlier questions, yeah, about you just go with the times. But for sure, I can't remember now when it all changed. In the 1990s, um, I'm thinking like 94, 93, 94, 95. They all switched to wearing helmets and glasses and everything else. And so, if I had a crisis ever, it was way back then. It's not now. It was it was a good 20 years ago when they. When they, were, when they had to wear helmets, where sunglasses became part of the, you know, the, cl- the clothing everybody wore. And so if ever there were bad times, I went through them there and then, I have mean, got used to it. Um, you learn to identify as somebody who is basically anonymous. You, you, you still identify with them. You know who they are. They, you know, the more you see them, the more character they develop with their helmets on, with their glasses on. And also, you know, the few times I ride on the bike, I wear glasses and I wear a helmet. So, you know, you, you can't be critical of anything if you're doing it yourself. It's, it's become part of, uh, part of the scene. Most of the people I photograph um, in the last 10 years probably never raced without a helmet, which is a, an interesting thing to think about. Um, <laughs> I, I, I loved it when you could see, I mean, it's, in, in my days, they didn't even wear a cotton cap. They just wore, they just went out into the sun. With their with their hair and you know, um, there was, you just you just saw everything of them. It was it was great, but uh, time to change and you change with them.
0: Beautiful, I think yeah. we'll leave it at that, mate. I think that's been uh, that's incredible. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's been great chatting to you, mate. We'll uh, okay. We'll edit up this a little bit and uh, you know shorten up or or lengthen and and um, no, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat, mate.
2: Well, no, it's been fun.
1: Good fun. We
0: thanks. might get you back thanks. on the show at some stage.
2: Yeah, thanks for inviting me. No worries. See you, yeah, it was really
1: nice meeting you. Anytime you're in Boulder, red white on us.
2: There you go. Okay. I remember that. <laughs> thanks. Okay.
1: Take care, mate. See you See Yeah, you.
2: thank you. Bye-bye.